Coming up for just on 9.30, I'm Zane Johnson in for Lester Kivitz this evening through until 10 o'clock. A very good evening to you. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for all your WhatsApp messages uh, on 0725671567 and the calls on 7, uh, 0214460567. You chat to Amy, uh, who is producing the show, and you, your voice messages as well as your WhatsApp messages uh, comes from Brett on the other side and the technical side. Um, we had a chat to Man van Stalin. We had a a very brief chat about uh, Northling College and what happens at Northling College. And Leslie, I've got your your uh, WhatsApp message, a very interesting one with the importance of maths, and we'll get to that a little bit later. O two one four four six zero five six seven, chatting about uh, unemployment and youth unemployment. Uh, Stats SA has published uh, its latest quarterly labour force survey for the last three months to March twenty twenty. Uh, not even taking into account maybe the one million or one and a half million people who've lost their jobs during uh, COVID and uh, you know the lockdown period, revealing that the country's unemployment rate rose in the first quarter of the year. According to Stats SA, the official unemployment rate increased by one percentage point to 30.1 in the first quarter of 2020 compared to the fourth quarter of 2019 and the unemployment trends before and now during COVID-19 will continue to show an increase given our shrinking economy, which no doubt paints a very bleak future uh, and picture for the youth of South Africa and uh, project lead at youth uh, capital, a youth-led campaign with an action plan that connects the lived experiences of young people with the data and research, um, you know, to shift gears on youth unemployment. Um, we chat this evening to uh, Crystal Duncan Williams, um, who is the project lead at Youth Ca- Capital, project leader at Youth Capital. And um, uh, Crystal, a very good evening to you and welcome to Cape Talk. Good evening, Zane. Um, the uh, although this is a very sad thing to talk about and a very sort of um, doom and gloom thing to talk about, um, it is also a very realistic thing that we need to talk about. So what do the stats mean on youth unemployment? What, what do these stats actually tell us? Well, I think if you look at the youth unemployment rate specifically, so the statute is quoted as obviously general unemployment, but if we look at the the, the number of youth who are not in any edu- education, employment or training, that number in quarter one of 2019 was 40.7% and in 2020 has gone up by 1%. So if we just compare the same time a year ago, um, the numbers for young people were already getting worse. And as you say, this is pre-impact of COVID. Um, and so we only expect those numbers to rise. Um, and additionally, these uh, these stats from Labor SA are very much taking only the formal sector into account. And we know that young people do lots of what they call peace jobs or the hustle or the scuttle, all the words that young people use for these like, low-skilled part-time work that they are involved with um, and a recent study by UNICEF um, and uh, a unit at UCT shows that people who are in these jobs, half of young people expected that they, they would lose the job or had lost their job already due to, to COVID-19. So I am quite terrified of what the stats are going to show us in the coming months uh, with regards to youth unemployment. Mm. We must remember that this survey obviously reflects until the end of March 2020 and uh, we went into um, lockdown on the 27th of March, I think. And as such, you know, um, the effects of pandemic uh, has not only 
been felt and not been seen yet because, as you say, the the youth market moves into uh, the scuttle jobs, you know, the the, the mm. waitrons and uh, the pizza delivery guys, and that's where the youth tend to move into that market. And that market has been under lockdown for quite some time. And you know, the the, the people who are permanently employed in those positions will will obviously come back online again uh, during level three and level two. What do you think will be the prediction going forward and how bleak does it actually look? Is it 50% worse, 70% worse? Uh, well, to be honest with you, I mean, if we look at the sectors that have been worst hit by COVID, we're looking at the retail sector. We know the news of Edcon and the 22,000 people who just got their retrenchment letters this week. As you say, you know, those are permanent staff. Look at lots of young people who do casual work um, working in the retail sector, the tourism industry um, and the hospitality industry, as you say, restaurants, waiting. These are all places where a lot of young people find at least some form of employment. It's an entry-level job. Um, and these are all the sectors that have been worth it. Um, by the pandemic. And I think even as we go into level three and level two, we're not going to find people going out in their droves and and, uh, behaving in quite the same way that they were before. And so I think there will continue to be job losses in those sectors. Um, I would think that the numbers are probably going to climb quite substantially. I don't want to make any predictions on percentages. Mm. (laughs) Um, It's difficult to say with COVID because things change all the time and we're all living in an unprecedented situation. But I would definitely expect that those numbers are going to rise and and rise quite substantially. Chatting to Crystal Duncan-Williams this evening, project lead at Youth Capital. We're chatting about youth unemployment and uh, the figures are startling and it's actually getting worse with COVID and the lockdown. These figures could actually be um, slightly, slightly worse than what they are at the moment. So what, what are the realities and challenges uh, for young people transitioning from education to their first decent job? And, uh, you know, when you when we talk about education, we talk about ma- school leavers at matric level, uh, but then also university and tertiary education people who are hopefully wanting to finish off and complete this year and move over into their first jobs. Yeah, absolutely. Even without COVID-19, we know that young people, as you say, whether you, you're leaving a place of study, whether it's, you know, high school or a TVET college or a university, you're stepping out from this very institutionalized learning environment into what is essentially an unknown for most young people. Um, we know that the majority of young people in this country live in households without an employed adult, so, so they don't have somebody who can connect them to opportunities, employment opportunities, edu- for the education opportunities. They don't have somebody who can give them advice and guidance on how to go about looking for work, how to draw up a CV, how to present yourself for an interview. Um, And then on top of that, young people lack social capital. So I think most of us, you and I can speak from our own experience. I'm sure a lot of the connections we've had to the jobs Mm. we've had are through people we know. And young people just don't know people who are in the spaces where those opportunities are advertised or or made public. Um, So those are the challenges that young people face, on top of which the cost of data and transport. um, There's a range of studies that have come out in South Africa, and the range is anywhere between 300 to 700 rand a month that people spend on average looking for work. And the bulk of that money is data costs and printing costs, looking for jobs online, traveling to interviews, etc. So these are just some of the barriers that young people faced before COVID hit. Mm. Now you're entering a situation where employers are reluctant to take on new staff and young people are saying, okay, uh, you know, the economy is coming back. How do I start looking for work again? And the truth is, what do you tell these young people if employers aren't hiring? Um, 
yeah, so that's the current situation. My, my children always have a laugh at me when I say to them that I've never, ever drawn up a CV to get a job. It's all, it's always somebody I know or, or somebody I talk, but then I've been, then I've been, I was in teaching forever and then I've done radio also for, for, for umpteen years in any case. Chatting this evening to Christelle Duncan Williams and uh, she's project lead at Youth Capital and Youth Capital, of course, um, is, is a youth led campaign with an action plan that connects the lived experiences of young people with the data and research, uh, you know, to shift gears uh, with youth unemployment. What is missing from this conversation, Crystal, with young people? Are they perhaps aspiring to what their parents want them to aspire to? Um, do they not have their sort of own niche where they want to be? Because uh, let's face it, the jobs of 10 years ago is not the jobs of the next five years. No, absolutely, Zain. And, and, and Youth Capital, I mean, we've been in existence for just uh, over two years, two and a half years, I would say. Um, and we ex- essentially exist to fill the gap on what we see as missing from the youth employment conversation, which is one, youth voices, and two, a common a common agenda, a common plan for tackling the youth unemployment crisis. Um, and, and the youth, if you speak to young people, they'll say, Um, nobody ever asks us what our opinions are. We just get told, you know, at school you get told you must do these subjects and then you get told you must go and study this Um, and then you get told that you must work in these kinds of jobs and I think young people are aware of the world and how different the world is now to even how it was five years ago Um, and how different five years from now the world will be and I think young people are aware that the world is different but not trying to navigate it Um, and that's not getting the correct support at a school level. Um, something I often speak about is life orientation. Um, young people say that they don't get adequate career guidance or real exposure to the real world. So get told about your traditional jobs um, and not really exposed to what is out there. And a lot of young people say, if only I'd known at school level X, Y, and Z, I would have made different choices. And that probably would have set young people up to thrive as adults. Um, instead of setting them up to to fail, which I think the system often does. So I think young voices are are a key thing that is missing. And for us as a country to have a shared goal for youth unemployment to be tackled, it's going to take education, it's going to take departments of labor, um, it's going to take psychosocial support, it's going to take transport costs to be considered. So it's a real multi-stakeholder problem. And for that kind of problem, we need a very targeted solution. And and we think that's been lacking. And so we really saying, let's get behind a single action plan and let's make sure that young people's lived experiences and their voices are the ones driving that forward. And we hold the country accountable to to that goalpost. Having been in teaching for many, many years and uh, coming out to the Mannenberg area teaching, I cannot agree with you more. Crystal Duncan Williams, project lead at Youth Capital, chatting to us about youth unemployment and the challenges that the youth face when it comes to uh, employment.